What if I told you that your store was dumb? All right, let me rephrase that. What if I told you that your store could be a little smarter? I'm talking about Bold's new app, The Brain. In the brief period, it's been live. It's been making a massive amount of money for stores. So The Brain is this app that uses machine learning to make your store smarter. And one of the ways it works today is by displaying recommended products on your store beside any other product. Not just the dumb, these things are in a collection together, but actual recommendations based on purchase data. It's probably already the best recommended products app for Shopify, and they're just getting started. So my favorite feature actually has nothing to do with, with that. It's their integration with their other apps, and specifically their product upsell app. So if you have both, it makes your upsell offers smart. So you've got product upsell installed, you install Bold Brain, and now imagine this. Upsell offers just create themselves, but not just automatically get created. They get better than you could ever create them yourself because they're based on this machine learning data. The results from the early adopters are in two, and some stores are seeing more conversions in a month than they used to see in an entire year. Now here they've got a couple other integrations coming down the pipe too. It integrates with Recurring Orders app and the Loyalties app. So you should check it out now. I guarantee that machine learning and e-commerce is going to be huge. And the stores that adopt it now will have the advantage. Bold's Brain app is simply the easiest way to do that. It's free. You can install it right now by going to brain.boldapps.net. That's brain.boldapps.net. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever. When you sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Hello and welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from uh, unreasonably cold, right right now, Skokie, Illinois. And today we are talking to a Shopify merchant with not one, but two successful Shopify stores. My guest today is Tommy Tartaglia, who is self-described as the world's okayest exerciser, and as such has sold over $100,000 in t-shirts with that phrase printed on them last year alone all on Shopify with his two stores, ReconRings.com and TangoCharlieApparel.com. Mr. Tartaglia has a bunch of degrees from various colleges, a significant amount of time in the military, thank you for your service, and a handful of years trying to figure out e-commerce. He relies on other people to make himself 
look good. I like that system. That sounds pretty good. Tommy, how are you doing? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, okay, let's let's start at the top. You've got two stores. Which did you start first? So Tanko Charlie Apparel was started first. Um, we started TCA in 2013 when I got out of uh, got out of the military and opened up a CrossFit affiliate and realized that there was a gap in the market for comfortable, um, inexpensive uh, apparel for the CrossFit community. And uh, what year was that? Uh, about 2013. So we've been going. Uh, We've been going strong for about five years now. We started on, um, man, what did we start on? I think we started on Squarespace and then immediately was shunned in all of the uh, <laughs> all of the meetings that I went to to talk to people about growing my business. And everyone just shunned us when they found out we were on Squarespace and they pushed us to Shopify. So oh, we merged over to Shopify in 2016 and we've been, we've been running and gunning since then. So it's so much better than anything else that we've ever used. Okay. So you leave the military, you start, it sounds like a gym. Yep. Question mark? Yeah. Okay, so a yeah. CrossFit-focused gym. And yep. in doing that, it occurred to you, man, there's no... Well, what was what was the gap, the pain, the problem? What did you see when you were yes. running this gym? So the, the problem, pain, solution, right, that we, we kind of talk about from time to time is there's there's really funny t-shirts out there that are sold on Amazon for, you know, 15 bucks or 18 bucks, but you, you put them on and it's like you're wearing a cardboard box. Um, it's just not comfortable. And then there's those really, really comfortable shirts um, but they're like 45 bucks when you buy them. And then there's, then there's us right in between. We sell $25 t-shirts that are all printed on triplins here in America. And they're just super, super comfortable at a reasonable price point. So, um, yeah, we really wanted to just kind of fix that, that pain point for us. So I think part of it also, you know, being in the right place at the right time, um, jumping into like comfortable, amusing, quality, affordable, CrossFit focused, t-shirts was the or apparel was the goal right 100 percent, absolutely okay and let's let's jump into the manufacturing there um what's the deal with with good t-shirts being so expensive and and 18 t-shirts being total garbage now <laughs> so there's uh, a handful of, of different varieties of t-shirts that you can purchase wholesale um you know 100 cotton or tri-blends or you know poly cotton blends things like that but nobody really had it Nobody had it right, and uh, what we wanted to do was kind of decrease our margins and play the long game. So we spent a little bit more money on the T-shirts in on the front side, um, purchasing the tri-blends, kind of having that poly cotton rayon mix that's just super, super comfortable, and um, understanding that we're not going to make as much money as we would if we bought like a Gildan 100% cotton T-shirt and printed on it and sold it for you know 25 bucks. We'd make three or four more dollars with that crappy T-shirt. Um, but we really wanted to keep those customers for life. And uh, that's kind of it's kind of how that was born. And then our slogan came out slightly thereafter. Is uh, um, I don't know if this is a clean audience or not, but um, comfy as fuck is typically what people refer to our brand as. <laughs> so. Like you, you could certainly do worse than that, right? If somebody yeah. goes like, "Man, this brand is," and then like anything positive AF is, a, yeah, <laughs> and that was how customers referred to it. Yeah. It was just um, when we would go to these events and we'd have people try our shirts on, it would be it would close the deal right there. And we wanted um, everybody knows that one T-shirt that they have. They open their drawer and they're like, cool, that's the one I'm wearing. It's their favorite T-shirt. It's the one that their wife steals to wear to bed at night. It's it's that shirt. We wanted to be that shirt. So we figured out what that shirt was. We replicated it. We made it slightly better. And then uh, now we are that company, which we're we're super excited. about. So, so um, but yeah, we. 
he actually stole that from somebody when he tried the shirt on at an event. He's like, man, this shirt is just comfortable as fuck. And, uh, um, yeah, we just turned that into our tagline a couple months later and it really took off. So, so the, if I, there's, there are a fair number of t-shirt stores on Amazon and certainly apparel and fashion, I, I believe is the biggest vertical, um, on Shopify. Should someone start with the shirt or the design? So that's, um, you know, I guess that'll kind of come into your voice and, and what are you good at? If, um, you know, if, if you're funny and you want to start with the design and you think that that design is going to sell really well, then 100% start out with that. If you're not funny and you want to just create a quality printed t-shirt, then, um, you know, then I would just start with a really high quality t-shirt. We, we are also on Amazon. Um, but that has been nothing but a goat rodeo since we've, since we've been on that and I would avoid <laughs> Amazon at all costs. I've not heard personally. the phrase goat rodeo so. before. It seems negative. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a mess, and we you know we brought a big agency in um, to help us with that transition and help us with that process because we're we're very confident in our brand, we're very confident in our Shopify store, and our, our customers love us. We have a great lifetime value for our customers, and we are constantly trying to grow um, you know essentially what we give them for you know grow the value that we give them. But we also understand that Jeff Bezos is a monster, and, and that Amazon is essentially taking over the world. So we kind of took that back end and just said, you know, let's do the just in case and let's have some products on Amazon, some of our more consistent bestsellers on there. Um, and what we noticed was two things. Um, Amazon is just rip off central. So Amazon itself actually took our design with our logo and our name on it. And I believe it was a bot, but they realized what was selling really well in that space. And they created it on an Amazon t-shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> and it was literally within... Uh, I don't know, six weeks of launching on Amazon. And it was a very large investment for us to kind of go through that process with, with that team. Um, so we got the lawyers involved and sent a cease and desist and they took it down. But realistically, the only reason we were able to send that cease and desist is because our name was actually on the t-shirt. If it wasn't a bot that produced this, produced that it was an actual human, um, we wouldn't have had, you know, a leg to stand on, I guess. So it's, it's very intimidating for me to kind of look at that, but, um, yeah, we're kind of coming back to Shopify and just rolling full steam ahead with that and avoiding Amazon if we can a little bit. But um, So you, you listed your stuff for sale on Amazon. It started yeah. selling, and they then began reselling the the same product, the same design on their own T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Yep. No and permission. Believe, they didn't get – you don't get anything. Not, not a penny. And I, I actually believe that it's I, – I, sh I shouldn't say it. I'm 100% sure, but I believe it's an Amazon bot that does that. Um, I believe they just look at the top 20 selling shirts or top 50 selling shirts, and they say, let's produce this ourselves and increase the margins by selling it on a, you know, a crappy T-shirt. Um, and no, then, yeah, that kind of <laughs> we saw a dip in our sales. I was like, well, kind of what's going on with that? And we looked, and we're like, oh, there there it is. That's the reason. So, And 100%, you're sure this is Amazon who did this, not some like other shady merchant? No, it's definitely Amazon. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I know a ton of merchants um, and a ton of Shopify store owners that have just balked at Amazon. And, you know, I kind of put my foot down. I'm like, we need to be on there. We need to, you know, we need to differentiate ourselves from our competitors and we need to sell on, on multiple different platforms. And um, man, was that a mistake? Yeah. So. In, the, in the past, I've always said like, you know, Amazon's a marketplace. You got to play by their rules. But hey, they're, you know, they're they're bringing the tra the qualified traffic to the site for you. Um, and if you're already selling online, hey, you may as well add Amazon as a sales channel. But at this point, like it seemingly seems you know, less and less like that is a good idea or certainly something that you should jump into without at least strongly considering it first. 
would you would you do it again? So it, you know, there's a couple things that we would if we decided to do it again. There's there's certain certain risks that we would try to mitigate. Um, if we were to launch another brand, we would potentially attempt to launch it on Amazon just because you're absolutely right. The audience is there. Um, there's one thing that nobody can deny is the first the first place people go to look for something is on Amazon. So if I had something that I wasn't connected to, that I wasn't passionate about and I wanted to launch you know, a coffee cup company or something like that, that um, I wanted to just kind of bring to market as quickly as possible, I would absolutely launch on Amazon. But our, our benefit and, and who we are um, as, you know, CrossFitters, as veterans, as guys that, you know, drink beers and exercise, it, that's who we are. That's our voice. I can't get that across on Amazon, right? They own that customer. They own everything. You don't have an opportunity to communicate with them. You can't really put any inserts in the package that you ship them to bring them over to your platform. Amazon is very protective of their customer, so it really doesn't allow us to prosper on their platform. Yeah, well, and that, yeah, that is that is the catch. Like, you have this revenue source, but you are 100% at their mercy, and they own the customer, and there is no way you are changing that under any circumstances. <laughs> um, okay, so backing up, you, uh, you came up with a brand, you started it, you launched it at Squarespace, you were talking to folks who laughed at you for being on Squarespace, so you had to make the migration to Shopify. What kind of people were you talking to that were so, saying, like, wait, hold up, you're on Squarespace, GTFO? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of them. Um, I, you know, I can't remember if any of them on your private Facebook Facebook group uh, were kind of pegging me. There was a couple other Facebook groups that I was a part of, and then I've always been, um, I've always at least one mastermind. I'm always trying to be a part of um, throughout any quarter or throughout any year. There's there's different masterminds that I've been in that are you know six months, they're a year um, before you kind of go through your life cycle with them, and they say okay, time to time to hit the road again. But everybody that I was talking to was like, dude, you, what are you what are you doing? Why are you on that? Just go to Shopify. They're the best and they're growing the quickest. And um, yeah, it was it was an amazing like it was the next day that I transitioned. I was like, oh. <laughs> like this is what e-commerce is. And here's all these reports that I was never able to generate and look at all these apps that I can do. And I don't need to do backend coding anymore. And it was amazing. So what you got on Shopify, um, how did, did you started from zero with this brand? How did you grow this brand? How did you grow so, Tango Charlie apparel? Yeah. So Tango Charlie was a combination of, um, in customer, I guess, in-person acquisition. Um, we talk about trade shows and a lot of the CrossFit events that I would go to, um, so we wanted to kind of get everyone into our system. So we would specifically at a, you know, a CrossFit competition or where somebody is uh, doing a weightlifting meet or something like that. We would have people kind of come up, we'd set up a booth there and we would be giving away a Yeti cooler or, a, you know, an iPad away or something like that. And it was just, Hey guys, sign up for our email list. And that was the first way that we started to acquire customers was we would sell them a t-shirt in person or they would try winning, you know, a brand new Yeti cooler and put their email into our list. And then we would kind of put them into our uh, MailChimp list or, or uh, Clavio list. And then we would kind of retarget them from there. Um, but the other way is Facebook ads. Um, we have such a tight niche market. When we first started Facebook ads in 2015, late 2014, early 2015, um, we were seeing just incredible numbers, 10x, 11x, 12x um, return on investment. And mm. my only regret now is that I uh, didn't exploit that that much more. It was it, it was fish in a barrel back then. Obviously, the algorithms have changed. There's a lot more competition in the marketplace. And we're very grateful if we get a 3x or 4x multiplier now. But um, Facebook... And now Instagram is a very easy way for us to invest money and know that there's money kind of coming back in and, and customers seeing our products. Uh, we'll, we'll work backwards. With Facebook ads, uh, 
initially, uh, because it was niche, you were doing, it sounds like you were doing interest-based targeting, right? Yes. So we would create lookalike audiences from, and actually it was, I think when you and I were working together, Kurt, for a while, you would create a lookalike audience um, and then you would um, target it even smaller by saying, you know, they must, in this lookalike audience, they must also like, you know, maybe two or three of our competitors, or they must also like CrossFit, or they must also follow these people. And that's when, um, that was really when we were seeing our, our biggest jumps. Hmm. So I did, well, I'm going to caution people, this is a thing to test so it's, yes. it depends on the brand. There have been scenarios where uh, leave the lookalike audience alone. It will just do better on its own, and you can't outsmart the algorithm. And then there's other instances where the algorithm will do a good job and may, like, I don't know, maybe it's the data source, maybe it's the audience, maybe it's the offer. But then taking using that lookalike audience and then dividing it up a little bit um, with some extra layer is going to radically help things. But it's one of those, like, run both and see what happens like run the same ad to both audiences um, and that'll that'll yeah. actually change too over time we've we've noticed what was working you know six months ago or eight months ago isn't working right now so as we've grown as a brand and as our brand has kind of morphed into a you know almost a um like a media source we've seen that it's it's changing and what used to work six weeks ago isn't working now and that's kind of why i always push people really really heavily in hiring an expert um know your strengths and know your weaknesses and that's great, but surround yourself with people who can fill that gap. Um, that was our, one of our biggest issues with starting out. I didn't know anything, um, and learning through those mistakes, but learning through, you know, people like you listening to the podcast, figuring out the mistakes that other people have made, but no, like no, no, when you're, when you're uh, in over your head, I think that's a, a big, uh, a big lesson learned for me. And I'll say the inverse of that is when you don't know what you don't know, it makes yeah. it really easy to shoot for the moon. Like, it, when I started this business, our initial attempt was a two-man shop building our own e-commerce platform. This was not something anyone should attempt, <laughs> but we didn't know enough to know we shouldn't do that, right? And then that eventually you know, led us to here, so that there could be advantages to that uh, entrepreneurial ignorance. Um, but yeah, I think ultimate to your point, uh, ultimately the goal is if you surround yourself with, with people smarter than you, people who push you, um, you will be... like. Look at the five people you talk to the most in a week. That's who you surround yourself with. That is who you ultimately you're going to be like. You're holding up the mirror there. Um, the Okay. You'd also initially started out with doing uh, a lot of like in-person events, um, trade shows. How did that, how did that go? Like what was the, what was the ROI on that? Would you do it again? What would your advice be on that? Yeah. So 100%. Um, and again, everything that the entrepreneur should be thinking about is the long game. It's never, you know, I spent a thousand dollars on this event and I only went and sold two thousand dollars. Plus, I lost a weekend with my family. Right? You have to understand that and, and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's not worth it for us to do that. But you have to consider now that person is wearing your shirt in front of hundreds of other people every single day, or or maybe they're using their that beer koozie in front of dozens of people every day, or, or whatever you sell. Um, but the, the biggest thing for us then was like, how do we keep that customer in our ecosystem? So we acquired them any way that we could. And it wasn't just the, Hey, put your email after the, uh, um, after the receipt comes through on Shopify point of sale, it was, Hey, do you want to win this? Or, Hey, how about you do something like this? Um, the ROI is never calculated, you know, the day after the event, it's always calculated, you know, six months or a year after the event, after you go through their life cycle and you send them your you know introductory sequencing emails and your segmentation emails and all that stuff um but i've never been to an event where we haven't um i shouldn't say that i've been to one really poor event but <laughs> um 
I've never been, I guess I should say I've never been to an event where I haven't been able to at least break even. So Okay, so you're able to, to break even on the event, and then the, overall it is a long game. Yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, that, now that you've run Tango Charlie for several years, going back, what would you have done differently? Oh my goodness. So, um, a lot of things. I would have done, uh, <laughs> I would have taken a loan out from the beginning and kind of just gone all in. There was a, like a, a time where my my business partner and myself, we were both kind of going back overseas and doing what we were doing and then coming back, you know, trying to be in the military and trying to be out of the military and then working full time, um, which that kind of foot half in the water and half out of the water, it never works for anybody. Um, I don't like the word side hustle. It, it frustrates me when I hear that because I know, you know, the potential that I have is this small, funny t-shirt company that started out of a basement and started selling t-shirts out of the back of a car. Um, what these other people that have, you know, far better superior products than I have and what they could do with that if they would just quit their damn job and go a hundred percent. Um, I would have, I would have taken a bank loan from the beginning and just gone all in. And I, I feel like we'd be in a much different position than we are right now. Um, I'm very grateful for where we are right now. It's been a lot of hard work and it's, uh, it's part of our journey, but, uh, my biggest recommendation would be just go all in. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and it's easy, like hindsight twenty twenty, and you go like, yeah, it's gonna work out. So just get in there faster. Um, yeah. But like, if you have validated it, if you have that confidence, um, then 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 put your money where your mouth is, double down on it, and get there, get there faster, reap the rewards. It is it is clear from from talking to you, from working with you, from looking at the site um, and seeing the designs. It's definitely it's a little uh, it, it's tongue in cheek, and there's a lot of your voice in there um and I've, I've heard you say hey just you know be who you are so talk to me about your your view on brand and voice yeah so it, we always talk about just owning it um whoever you are just own it if you're you know if you're a nerd then own being a nerd be the best nerd that's out there if you're you know the world's best crossfitter and you have a rippling six-pack and you haven't touched a beer in three years because you want to be you know the crossfit games athlete then dude be that guy or be that girl that's awesome um who we are you know identifying who we are was one of the toughest parts of of starting the business because we thought we were you know these tough veterans that are you know we want to sell t-shirts that talk about you know beast mode and being strong and you know crushing your weakness and we realized that's not who we are that's who maybe that's who we want to be but I love getting getting after it on a Friday night and having one too many tequilas and you know showing up to the workout on Saturday morning in a little in in rough shape and kind of having fun and just being um, you know how do I say this being nice to everybody but kind of knowing when it's time to flip that switch and, and get after it. So knowing that we that we've been through you know 10, 12, 15 years in the military and we've seen some really horrible things, we can kind of get out and be you know joking and have fun and know how the other half of the world lives was very important to us. Um, people take things so seriously seriously now and uh, you know CrossFit is one of them, so we're always able to kind of do the tongue in cheek jokes and um, break balls when it kind of comes down to it. So as long as you just own who you are, you'll be successful. Don't don't try to be somebody else. It's just like I, there are so many. Um so many military folk who are so successful as entrepreneurs and I, you know, I've, I've never been in the military, so I don't know what it is about that, but it's definitely like a, a common story we hear. Um, and then even in terms of like what the brand does, it is often um, leaning on that gallows humor that gets you through, you know, brands like 
uh, violent little machine shop in Zero yeah. Foxtrot. <laughs> like that, a violent little machine shop. Oh my gosh, they have like as far down the rabbit hole of gallows humor as you could go. They have gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yours, it almost sounds like you. Yours is a uh, a reaction to that. Yeah, we. Um, that's that's exactly it. Like we spend the time overseas or, or even here stateside, you're, you're away from your family. You're miserable. You, you know, you have people surrounding you that, um, you know, they might frustrate you. you. You don't really know them that well. And as you kind of grow as a team and, and as a, whether it's a platoon or a squad or whatever, and you kind of shoot overseas and do what you need to do, you, you turn into a family. Um, but there are times where, you know, I think my, my last deployment, I didn't shower for 75 days, 80 days. You're just, oh. you're miserable. You don't, you don't know how to get through certain aspects, but you do like you, you get it, you, you figure it out. And the thing that got us through it, at least the guys that I was surrounded with was humor. Um, everything was, was ball break and everything was kind of a competition. So it was, you know, joking with each other, kind of pushing through those, through those boundaries. You're not sleeping for a couple days. Um, you know, Playing, playing those games like that really kind of helped us push through. So when we came back, it was an easy, it was an easy push to say, yeah, you know, we've done all that stuff. Let's be, let's not be those tough guys. Let's be those guys that joke around because that's, that's just who we are. So it's about figuring out who you are and then leaning into that, making the, rather than try to be something else for the brand, make that brand something about you where you fit into it. Yeah. We, we say that you can't, like, you can't learn that, right? If you're passionate about something and that's just who you are then do that launch that if you want to sell you know knit koozies then sell knit koozies and if you're passionate about that that's cool you can learn instagram you can learn ads you can learn email sequencing and cash flow and roi and you can learn the back end of a business right you can't learn passion you can't learn about um you can't you just can't do that um but you can learn about all that other stuff so figure out you know what what makes you happy and what your passion is, what, what cause you believe in and, and just do that. And everything else will kind of fall in place. Hopefully, unless your product sucks, then I won't, but um, more than likely it will. That's good advice. Um, <laughs> so the, I, when we started this call, I saw you are in, you're in a warehouse. We talked about it. Um, you've mentioned repeatedly this used to run this out of your basement. How do you, uh, how'd you make that decision where you go, man, we got to get out of the, we got to move out of the house and get a, a, a dedicated space for this. Yeah. So we were shipping, I think, closer to a million dollars out of my basement a year. And um, it was a couple of things, one of which is we're, we have this kind of like conglomerate here in, in upstate New York where we've got companies like Tactic Calories that you're familiar with. Um, I love Tactic Calories. Oh, they're awesome. Mixtape Coffee Company, um, Tango Charlie Apparel, Recon Rings, Drift Point Media. We've got a team that, that we always will grab coffee together, kind of bounce ideas back and forth or be on email strings or text message strings. And, uh, we kind of got together and we said, dude, we're all doing this out of our basement. Like, what are, what are we doing here? And it was actually, I think Casey from tech to calories that just sent us a Craigslist ad, um, and said, Hey, let's just go take a look at this place and see what happens. Um, it was a combination between that. And I think the UPS guy was kind of just getting fed up with, with <laughs> driving, driving into, into the garage and trying to drop everything off into a sliding glass door. And, um, once you start pushing all those products, it became, you know, um, an elongated time and motion study and it was never really worth it. So once we moved to the warehouse, we, we, you know, kind of pulled the trigger on that. Um, everybody's seen their their sales jump since then because it's a more collaborative approach. We've got three different companies in here, four different companies in here some days. Um, and we're able to have a meeting place. So I don't need to say, Hey, meet me at Starbucks or, Hey, I'll have a meeting with you here or, Hey, let's prep for this over here. Um, so it's really, really important for us to be, uh, you know, here at the warehouse. 
So this isn't just like a space for you. You've got a co-op going. We've got, yeah, it's kind of like a, I, I guess, yeah, I guess it is a co-op. Or incubator. It can be an incubator. It can be, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it is an incubator. I've never thought about it positively in those terms before, so. It, well, it seems cool. Um, we certainly tried that. Our old office was huge, like way bigger than we needed, and it was divided up weirdly. So there's just space we didn't touch. So I, we had tried letting other people use it, and it never, no one ever really like committed to using it. Um, but it was a cool idea. Like I certainly, yeah. I wished it had worked out. Um, and our new space is like, it's just one big open space, so it wouldn't work as well. Um, okay. Yeah, this works. It works pretty well for us. We've um, we've actually kind of pivoted a little bit since we've come in here. We had a couple companies reach out to us. We actually started shipping for them. Um, Driftpoint Media, Steve, my partner in Recon Rings, also owns a, um, a very, very, very small media company that just um, kind of builds websites and goes through that. And he said, why don't we start shipping for people? They really don't know what you know, they, they don't know what they're doing. And it's the same thing as when you started your company, you really didn't know what they're doing. Um, let's just start shipping for them. So since we had the warehouse, and we had the extra space, we, you know, pulled some brands together. And now um, the guy that we pay to do all of our shipping does all of their shipping as well. So it's kind of, it comes back to that. Yeah, I guess it is a co-op, the more I think about it. So it sounds like the, the big advantage there is um, synergy just kind of comes out of it. Yes, 100%. Um, I think if you kind of take a look at Casey from Tacticaleries and his webpage and his creative design, um, you start to see a little that flow over to Tango Charlie Apparel. And if you kind of look at Recon Rings and their design, you also start to see a little that kind of flow back and forth. And we all kind of pick up on on what we're doing with each other. Cool. Hold up. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer brands like ColourPop, Huckberry, and Casemate all have in common? They rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform chosen by the brands you love. With a dedicated team of experts and a platform that consumes more data than any other on the market, Klaviyo helps you own the customer experience and grow higher-value relationships. And the results speak for themselves. Brands have made more than $3.7 billion, that's billion with a B, in revenue through Klaviyo in the last year alone. From a shopper's first impression to each subsequent purchase, Klaviyo understands every interaction, empowering brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, growth possibilities are endless. Visit klaviyo.com slash unofficial. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash unofficial. Talk to him. As we were saying, you've got another brand. What? Why, why, Tango Charlie Apparel, not good enough for you. Now we got to add Recon Rings to the mix too? Yeah, so, you know, this kind of, it was weird because we... Again, my last my last deployment overseas, I, there was a problem, pain, and solution. I watched a kid um, jump off a, a essentially an LAV, and he was wearing What's his an LAV. Uh, a light, it's a light armored vehicle or a light oh, okay. armored vehicle. Um, so it's it's essentially it's a tank. It's a smaller tank. Um, all my boys are going to break my balls for that for calling it a tank. <laughs> it's definitely not, but um, kind of generalizing it to the masses. I you got to dumb it down for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's a wheeled tank, right? So there's no tracks on it. It's smaller. It's got a 25 millimeter cannon on it. But we watched a, a kid, actually one of our mechanics, jump off the vehicle um, and kind of left his hand up there to brace himself. But unfortunately, he was wearing a wedding ring, which we weren't supposed to be wearing. Um, so his finger stayed up there, right? It, oh my it, god! Yeah, degloved his finger. So oh, um, I was, it was, I it knew was it was going to go to degloving. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say degloving. Yeah. 
it was Ugh. it was pretty i mean it was we've we've definitely seen rough and we've seen worse overseas but like seeing that up up close and personal is kind of like man what are we doing why are we instead of just telling somebody they can't do something why don't we just come up with a better solution so um i came back and it was kind of always in the back of my head and it took it took me meeting steve to figure out like okay man how do we do this how do we how do we have a product that's kind of going to solve that problem for us. And there was other products out there. There's other silicone wing, ring companies out there, but um, they sucked. Like we bought them, we tried them, we were wearing through them in like two months or a month and a half. They were, again, super overpriced. They had just stupid, ridiculous designs on the outside of them. So Steve and I got together and I said, hey man, like help me through this process. And um, what that essentially became was Steve taking my idea and running the show. And he runs a very, very tight ship. His brain works way differently than mine does. But um, he worked with me on the design. Then we started testing the products. We got some samples made. Um, we went to a couple different places and figured out, hey, is this going to work? We did some stretch tests. We did some break tests on it um, or some tensile strength tests, I think they were called. And we figured out like, okay, cool. This is the ring. This is what we want. Let's like, Let's go for it. And it wasn't anything like Tango Charlie, right? So with us, we come up with an idea, we tweak it, we launch it. We might tweak it again and then relaunch it. It's a t-shirt, right? This was, a, you know, a pretty big investment and we wanted to make sure, like, we wanted to make sure this was perfect. There, it's not necessarily life or death, but somebody could lose a finger, right? Somebody could lose, you know, a pretty important part of their body if, if we didn't get this right. So um, we made sure, it took us about a year to kind of go through that back end and then we launched the product um, with the help of, of Tango Charlie and with the help of some of our other friends locally. And it... I don't want to say it blew up, but it just took off. And um, we got some local retail stores that started reaching out to us. Hey, you know, we heard you're local. Can we come take a look at the product? They kind of picked up our product. So our footprint is a little bit smaller, but we're like, we, I don't want to say we grow very quickly. We get these, these rushes and spurts of retail stores that want to sell our product. And, you know, next thing you know, we're in four or five different retailers locally, 10 or 15 down in Ohio, 20 or 30 in Maine for some reason. So it, it grows, like it goes through these spurts and then it just grows really quickly and then it kind of settles down and grows again. But we're watching, again, a lot of the companies that we started out with and saying, hey, what are they doing right? and What are they doing wrong with these rings? And they're still trying to innovate something that doesn't need to be, <laughs> you know, innovative at all. It's done. What we did was we created it is a silicone ring. We made it plain and simple. We give it to you in a, a, a variety or a multitude of colors and people are happy with it. It lasts them, you know, two years, three years, five years. Um, and it's done. And what other people are doing is they're putting grooves and holes and they're putting rings in this shape and that shape. And people are ripping through those rings in a month or two and they're, they're getting frustrated. And then they're coming over to us and saying, you know what? Simple is better. And that's kind of what we want to go with. So, um, I got to give Steve kind of all the credit for that company. He helped, um, I shouldn't say he helped me. I helped him, uh, kind of bring that to fruition. And it's been, that has been a really fun ride for sure. Now with these, like these non-traditional non-metal, um, we'll call them soft rings. they seem to always be made out of silicone. I said yours is, is medical grade silicone. Yep. Um, why not make them out of a, like there's more than one kind of rubber. I mean, we can yeah. make them out of, uh, you know, some like odd proprietary stuff. You know, like DuPont FKM, like uh, they make a lot of really expensive watch bands out of um, that sort of thing, as opposed to just like silicone, which is really not very strong. 
So, and that's kind of what we want, right? We want it to be strong, but we don't want it to be too strong. We want it to bend, but we also want to have, you know, between an eight and a 10 pound tensile break off point, because if it doesn't, oh, so it doesn't rip your finger off again, then it's right. going to take the yeah. finger off. So we've tested some different products and we're actually still in the process of testing some additional products that we, um, uh, that we kind of worked with. We, we went out to shot show this past month and had some fun out in Vegas, but, um, we're constantly looking to other products, um, and kind of testing them and seeing that, um, there is some different, uh, polymers and elastomers that we have tested out, but none of them have the feel that we're, that we're looking for either. Um, and I'll, I'll make sure I get a couple rings on you as well. When you wear it, you forget that you're wearing it. Um, it's almost better that way. My wife has, it's actually the one good call that I've ever made. She has a very nice wedding band, um, but she doesn't wear it because she wears the silicone ones and she forgets that she's wearing them. Um, she's just so much more comfortable in wearing one of these than her other ring. It's, it's non-conductive. It's, you know, you don't feel it when you're typing, you know, a thousand words per minute or whatever she's doing half the time. It's just there and you don't even really notice it. So it's exactly kind of what we wanted um, when we created the ring. The, um, yeah, and that's also like, the issue with wearing any kind of like rubber accessory on your body is you don't want to be aware of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah. And it could start to smell. Yeah. So, yeah you got to think through it. Um, yeah. I've got this big chunky gold wedding band and it's definitely like, I don't think about it until the summer. And then I'm like, definitely, definitely aware of this thing <laughs> when it's humid out. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place for our wedding. When we, when we get all dialed up and if I throw a tux on, you know, I'll make sure that I wear my gold ring or, um, you know, if my wife is, she always says, if I'm wearing heels, I'm going to wear my, my ring. If I'm not wearing heels, I'm not putting that thing on. So there's a time and a place for those bands. But you know, when we go down, when we go down to Costa Rica or Aruba or something, I don't want to have to worry about, Hey, are we going to be able to lock this ring up in a safe in the hotel? Is that safe? Is that safe, safe? You know, is the maid going to come in and take it? Are we going to lose it on a rainforest hike? Is it going to be buried right. in the ocean when we go to Hawaii? Like if you lose one of our rings, it's 20 bucks. Like just call, like half the time we'll replace it. Um, if it breaks or something like that, we'll always replace it, but just give us a call. Like we'll figure it out. And wouldn't you rather lose a $20 ring than a $10,000 ring? Like, doesn't that make sense to you? So, um, it's always, that's always helped us too, is people always kind of shoot us messages or tell us stories like, Hey, you know, I just want to let you know that your, uh, your ring broke. Cause I was working on a piece of machinery. Um, it did its job. It saved my finger. So thank you. And, um, you know, 90% of the time before Steve gets off the phone, I'm already looking the guy's order number up and we're already sending him another ring. So, hmm. um, we love kind of love hearing those stories. So one thing, uh, well, I'll, I'll make a suggestion and you can tell me if I'm wrong on your product page, your product detail page for your, your silicone rings. Why not have a paragraph describing that research you went through where you say, um, hey, the risk with a, a metal ring is that you know, under load they don't break, which can result in, in injuries like degloving. And you can like you can link to the Wikipedia article about what that is because it's horrifying. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you'll sell more if you make people go on that journey with you. But like it's a genuine thing. You're not manipulating them. That's where the idea came from. And then you say, yes. so like we tested ours to make sure it had – it was strong enough that it's not going to fall apart, that it's going to be durable, but at the same time, intentionally weak enough to prevent injuries. Absolutely. We will definitely tweak our product page with that and kind of talk more about our research. Yes. For sure. My, my arms just went up in the air because I, <laughs> I got a win for you right there. Absolutely. Right there, copywriting. Biggest Boom, conversion done. rate optimization tactic you can, you can use. And it's uh, free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just – can you sit down and type? There you go. Get to work. Um, okay. So having your attention split between multiple businesses, that's always been 
um, an issue for me. You know, I, I, I've got the, the entrepreneurial ADD. I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs do. Um, so with that, like, how do you, do you feel, uh, like any of your businesses suffer, um, if there's anything negative about it or it, it helps because it scratches an itch. It, in my instance, I used to, we used to do all like these goofy little side hustle projects that were fun. We call them palate cleansers, you know, between big projects because it was like a, a creative outlet. But eventually they started to take their toll where I'm like, all right, you know, they, these things are distractions and we either shut them down, gave them away or sold them. Um, what's your, what's your feeling on it? So, both, right? There's, there's always going to be a level of, of suffering and saying, Hey, you know, we didn't get to focus on this. Um, but it's also refreshing. I, I struggle with, um, I don't know how to say this, the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship. We've kind of spoken about that before and, uh, it's a ton of fun, right? But when you're on that downslope and you haven't sold anything in in two months or a month and a half, and you're like, man, we're barely breaking even. I don't know how I'm going to make payroll or anything like that. That's typically when the other company's on an upswing. Um, so I enjoy kind of managing or being a part of both companies. Um, the other thing that I that I would suggest is a lot of entrepreneurs they'll they'll say, "Hey, my business plan is here," and they'll point in their head, um, or they'll say, "Hey, you know, we're going to do this," and they'll kind of play it day by day. Um, the the most growth that I've ever seen from either business is when we sat down as a team and set out a strategic plan. Um, once we set that strategic plan, we were able to. Um, essentially delegate all of the tasks and kind of break it down. Hey, here's your, here's your, here's your goal that we want to hit by the end of the quarter or the end of the year, whichever it may be. Let's break that down into five or 10 different micro goals. Um, it forces me to be a better planner to have two different companies kind of in the mix. So, um, it's almost forced me to be a better entrepreneur with, with both of those, but the squirrel effect is definitely there where I'm kind of going back and forth and I see something shiny and I run over there. Um, but it's also, it, it has forced me to become a better person. For sure. Interesting. Okay. Are there any, so really it's having that constraint where you're acknowledging like, yeah, this is going to have a, a constraint on my time and focus. Um, so for it to work, I need to be really intentional about it. Was there, you know, when you sat down and, and put together that, that strategy, that strategic plan, um, were there any resources? How'd you learn how to do that? Or was it like, all right, we know what we need to do. Let's just sit down and figure it out. So it was actually a combination. Um, the time in the military, we would go through and it was all kinds of planning. Um, we would do backwards planning. We would do five paragraph orders. We would just do all kinds of stuff. And I was, I was an enlisted guy, so I really didn't do a, a ton of the planning. But as I grew in the military and as I kind of came up in ranks, I started to have to plan more and more and more. So as my tail end in the military, as I was getting out, I was more a part of that planning process. So I kind of got to um, kind of dig, dig in deep to that stuff. But I, I think the other thing that really helped us um, – was the I think it was called the best self or the self journal. They're also on Shopify. Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever had them on. If you haven't, you should definitely have them on your show. They're awesome. Um, so I would kind of call them out a little bit too. But having having those books in front of me and knowing like, okay, cool. Here's my three big wins for the week, or what was the biggest lesson I learned for this month, or hey, what are today's targets? What are my goal? What's the goal for this month? And um, then kind of jumping into that daily stoic of, hey, today I'm grateful for, or this morning I'm grateful for, and kind of going through that um, really, really helped me kind of start the day on, on on the right note. And then once you're organized and you have everything written down, there's no getting around it, right? You, 
you'll always naturally flow like water. You're going to go towards those easy tasks and not think, uh, hey, you know, we need to really acquire this many customers by this date. How do we go through that? You're going to say, oh, cool, I can just respond to these emails real quick and do this customer service stuff um, because those are easy and it's low-hanging fruit when realistically that's the last thing you should be working on right now. You should really be focusing on today's bigger targets, which might be, you know, um, profiting $3,000 today or acquiring 35 new customers or wh whatever it may be. So um, I would definitely give a shout out to the Self Journal and the Best Self Co because they've definitely helped me grow. I will include uh, the link to Best Self in the show notes because um, certainly I have heard about it more times than I could count. And I've not used um, Best Self's journal specifically, but I I did a five-minute journal, uh, uh, okay. which is more about like uh, more about self-care and well-being and it really it had a, a very positive effect. I did it like at the same time as therapy, and really, um, absolutely, like the power of just writing stuff down is powerful. So doing it in this context um, seems pretty pretty brilliant. I'm definitely like my fingers hovering on the buy now button here. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so, it, whenever I meet with somebody, whenever somebody kind of comes out and asks me questions or anything like that. I'm, first, I'll I'll premise with I'm not a consultant, nor do I ever claim to be one. But for some reason, people in the community have. I guess they maybe think I'm successful for some reason, but they've reached out. And the first thing that they ask is like, what's one thing that you would do? And I always just shove, shove a book in their face. I'm like, here, take this. Hmm. I have, I have five or six of them on my desk at all times. And that's, first of all, it's the number one gift you can give somebody because it's going to change their life. It's very different than, than, you know, me grabbing a bottle of tequila and handing that over or doing like, this is, this is meaningful and it, it's going to change the way you look at your life. Um, so that's usually the first thing that I do. I actually just gave one to a friend of mine a couple days ago and he shot me a text this morning. He was like, Hey man, I didn't think I would ever be able to get this much work done in a day, but when you actually look at it, like I'm super productive now and it's it's really amazing how your phone kind of becomes like the background now and you're not staring at Facebook or Instagram or kind of overanalyzing your Facebook ads or this. It's just, hey, did they work? Cool. Next. What's the next step? Oh, it's 930 and we have to do this, this, and this? Perfect. Let's do this, this, and this. Um, it is definitely, definitely a, uh, a tool that I would struggle without for sure. Uh, all right, so I'll take it a step further and now we're going to plug Best Self. Um, going to their site when I click shop now, there's a ton of stuff it throws at me. What's the, yeah. what's the one thing we should all buy? So I, I'm a big fan of the limited edition box set. Um, but I just use the best self journal. It's just, there's a quick start guide on it. Um, it's super easy. There's a community. I'm not a part of the Facebook community because, um, sometimes I, again, I'll get paralysis by analysis and I'll be in too diff too many different things, but it's just a 13 week roadmap and a, and a monthly calendar that breaks down, you know, here's what you want to accomplish in the next quarter or the next, you know, six months or whatever it is. Let's, let's get that on paper and let's break that down into some smaller steps and see how it goes. Um, if I was to ever become a consultant and I wanted to make, you know, $300 an hour, I would essentially just not tell people about this book and just, <laughs> just break that down for them. Cause I, I, I honestly feel like that's what people do. So, um, that would kind of be my, my push on that. But yeah, I'm writing down a show note right now. I'm saying how planning was game changing for Tommy's success Absolutely. and how you can clone it. Um, the well, so then going one step further, if you say, all right, people re they identify you as successful as a leader, they reach out to you, which is good. That means you're you seem accessible and approachable and real. Um, and they ask you questions, and your response is, take this book, it will yeah. change your life. Yeah. Um, so if you have the opportunity to talk to one of your heroes, to talk to a, a leader in a space, um, maybe that's the thing we should like, if, you know, if I had 10 seconds to talk to 
Bill Gates or whoever, the thing to ask is just tell me the one book I should read. Yeah. Yeah. I would, you know, I think if you look at guys like Tim Ferriss, when he created that, um, whatever, I can't remember the name of the book. Four I, hour I bought week. That's the, the one where he talked about all the people that he interviewed. Oh, and he, oh shit. I forgot the name of it, yeah. but yeah, I've, that, I've got that one around. Here I somewhere. instantly go to four hour work week, right? It's just in the back of my head. I'm like, oh yeah, it's four hour work week. But the, um, you know, the other one that he goes through that, that I sat through and read it. And I was like, I was like, okay, these, all of these famous, just people that have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. There's a couple things that they do. They read, they, they read fucking books, right? Everyone, if you want to be better than you were yesterday, you need to start reading books. And it's not, don't read blogs. Don't do this. Don't do that. Grab a book and read it and sit down and be present with that book. The other thing is they wake up earlier than everybody else. Um, you look at guys like Jocko Willink or anybody else that wakes up at four o'clock in the morning, that gives them three more hours of uninterrupted productivity. So whatever you want to do with that three hours, um, if you want to work out and kind of set your set your day right in, the, in that direction, absolutely. Um, I'm up in between 4 and 4.30 every morning. I'm usually at the gym before 5 o'clock in the morning. And that allows me at, at 6 o'clock, I'm done. I don't have to worry about anything else. I can just focus on work. And I will go typically from 6 until 12.30, 6 until 1, and just kind of head in the computer getting work done, kind of collaborating with with Tacticaleries and um, Mixtape Coffee Company, the other guys that are here in the office with me, and, and we'll kind of get all the work done that we need to get done. By 1 o'clock, my day's done. Um, I can kind of step back into it and say, okay, it's it's 2 o'clock, I got a couple more tasks to do, or it's 3 o'clock, I got to do this, this, and this. But by 3 o'clock, I'm at home playing with my son, hanging out and kind of relaxing until – um, I call it the seven o'clock rush, but I put my son down at, you know, in between six 30 and seven 30 and my wife and I eat dinner together and we kind of unplug with no electronics. And then I'll take 20 minutes or 30 minutes and grab that best self co book again and say, how am I going to set my day up tomorrow? And I'll take 30 minutes with my computer and my book and I'll say, cool, this is what tomorrow needs to look like. This is what direction we need to go in and how are we going to go in that direction? We'll kind of break those down. Um, but yeah, that's that's what you need to do is just get up early and be be present all day long and kind of step away from social media. That's the uh, the other big push that that I see a lot of people aren't aren't concerning themselves with anymore. The the big difference makers in the community they don't care. They're not doing that. They're not worried about what other people are doing. They're concerned about what they're doing and how they're going to grow. Yeah, you, know, you had said I don't know why people reach out to me because you're you're. You're brilliant. You may not think of yourself that way, but you've got <laughs> no. You have tremendous emotional intelligence. You're very, you're clearly mindful and aware, and you're operating um, with uh, a lot of intention, intentionality. Um, one thing that came up, you've mentioned more than once, is sort of how uh, how screens can derail you. So it's like I've, the habit of the false productivity, the habit of well, you know, I'm going to respond to these emails to do these customer service things, and I'm going to feel productive, but really my business is not moving forward. I'm treading water. You brought that up. Um, you said, uh, you know, I'm not going to let – now your phone's in the background. You said, we got to ignore social media. Um, and you said, I, I unplug, we get away from uh, devices when I, I want to have time with my wife. These are all incredible things, um, but I the common thread there is, hey, phones are – phones may be bad yeah right so i think you've come that's the realization you've come to talk to me about that yeah so i i'm i'm in a weird spot because i'm i'm 35 years old and i was around like 
I was around before phones, right? And then I was around after phones. So I, I'm not the, the 20-year-old kid who doesn't, I guess, 18 or 19-year-old kid who doesn't remember what life was like without a cell phone, right? There's there's a lot of those people that are like, no, I've always had a cell phone. It's just kind of who, who I am or my parents have always had a cell phone. Like I was around when that Zach Morris phone got introduced and, you know, I, I, I bought that first Sprint camera cell phone um, that was, I, I don't know, man, probably the size of a coffee mug that couldn't fit in your pocket. But um I remember what life was like before that, what my relationships were like before that. It was definitely and it's always, different. <laughs> it's a struggle to get back there, you know? You you were a part of something and you were a part of a community. You're talking with people. And when you're going to a bar, you're actually, you're looking somebody in the eyes. And, you know, I, I don't want to be the guy that's, you know, 35 years old and talk, talk talks like he's 60. And it's like, I remember the days. But right. um, those, like, you got to set that aside and you have to be present with the people that are there. Um, and I think it makes people feel really uncomfortable. And that's, I guess that's where you're going to start to see is that, that progress is outside of your comfort zone. Um, I hate to kind of read off of a Hallmark card, but that's the truth. You don't, you don't want to be able to just stare at your phone all day and not grow relationships with people. Some of the, some of the best things that have happened in my life are, are people that I've met in bars or restaurants and just talking to them. Um, and those would have never happened if it wasn't, you know, for me putting my cell phone in my pocket or kind of turning it off on airplane mode or doing whatever. So there's definitely a time and a place for that. But um, it's an entrepreneurial curse. I sell a ton of t-shirts online and a lot of them are done through Facebook and Instagram, but I don't need to be on there. I don't need to respond to every comment. I don't need to be, um, you know, handling that. I have employees to do that. And then honestly, on the weekends, it's okay. <laughs> like if, if you lose a couple sales, that's 100% okay. You don't need to be there for that. So. No, I, yeah. The um, have you read or heard of how to break up with your phone? Oh no, I haven't. But I should probably jump into that. I will. This was the one. Like I knew it was an issue, and this is the one that made me very aware of it. After I think it was an an interview on NPR, or This American Life, whatever. Um, but it's a book called How to Break Up with Your Phone, and the first half of it, the second half is, hey, like here's how to break up with your phone. More importantly, the first half is like, all right, here's what's going on, um, and here's how these things are have been intentionally designed to be psychologically addictive and it like completely changes the way you see uh, your phone and apps and social media. Um, but you're right. Like when the first iPhone came out, uh, I think 2007 and it didn't have apps. Like there was yeah. no app store for <laughs> what a year. Yeah. Um, it, it's very different like between now and then. And I just turned 36 or so about the same age. It, yeah. Man, like remember T nine texting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And like, and you're that like going was the most important through, thing. So you're like, just call me, bro. It's going to take me 30 minutes to like tell you where I am right now. Just give me a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm very interested to kind of scope out that book because, you know, against um, Steve, the other owner of Recon Rings and I were in Vegas two weeks ago. And it's, you look at your phone and you kind of look at slot machines and you walk around Vegas. Yes. It's the same damn thing. Yes. Like, it, this is a reward system and there's lights and there's shining things and there's notifications and for me, my, like we call it like our, I guess our freedom moment, what my freedom moment was, I think a year ago or a year and a half ago when I turned all my notifications off on my phone. I don't yep. know how many emails I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Um, I don't know how many text messages or emails I have because there's no red, but well, I know I missed a call, but I don't have 742 unread emails or three text messages. I have to go in there and look at it. And I typically go in there, I don't know, maybe once every two hours, once every two and a half hours. Um, because I don't, I don't really need to. And there's like, that for me was, was freeing because I, 
I don't need to, oh, am I missing something in Instagram? Or did this happen? Or is this going on over here? Um, it's the same thing when you're walking through Vegas. Well, let's play, you know, another 50 bucks on this slot machine. It's like, dude, I don't need that. What am I, am I really going to win? I've got, <laughs> got pretty poor luck. I don't really think I'm going to win anything. So I don't really need to put that last 50 bucks into this or, you know, pick up my phone and kind of scope out this. But, um, yeah, that's, that was my freedom moment when I just turned off all notifications for that. I like that that phrase, freedom moment. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy, you're you're an interesting guy. I could easily do, now that I've discovered that you have gone down this road of like productivity through mindfulness, um, I, I mean, we could do another hour just on that. And maybe maybe we should reschedule, do another episode on that. Uh, sure. But as our final question, looking back for new entrepreneurs, tell them like, where should they focus? Because it's it's easy, especially early on, to not know what to care about, to not know what to give your attention. And you could just be going like every month an inch in every direction where it's like, oh, should I be working on funnels or my upsell strategy or focusing on my conversion rate or trying to get my email welcome series going? Where do you start? Where do you focus in those those yeah. early days? So we'll kind of jump into it. I'm going to drop an F-bomb again. I apologize. But we're going to jump into like the be passionate about something and go from there. You can learn everything else. But one of my biggest struggles was we call it paralysis by analysis when I started the business was I was just frozen because I couldn't make a decision. I didn't know, Hey, should I be working on my, my conversion rate? It's only 3.1%. And you know, typically for, for our, you know, apparel brand, it should be at 4% or should I worry about sequencing my emails or do this? Just slow down and just be passionate about something and launch the product, create, you know, get the idea, tweak it, launch it, tweak it again and relaunch it. And, um, Nobody's going to be mad at you if, if you create a product that not everyone loves. Just be okay with it, launch it, and then figure it out from there. Um, and whether that's a t-shirt, whether that's a silicone wedding band, you know, whether that's whatever. Don't create crap products by any means, but don't get stuck in that paralysis by analysis that we always do. And it's we have a term. It's actually upstairs. Um, it's, it's We say, fuck it, ship it. Like, right. get it to the customer today. Don't wait. Don't figure out, well, is this, does it need to be this? Or, hey, I didn't know about this. Just get it to them. And if there's an issue, they'll reach out to you. Then if there is an issue, prove how awesome of a person you are and how great your customer service is. Solve that issue today and make that customer service experience and that, that interaction with your brand that much better. I love it. Yeah. The, for the longest time I had a, a, a sticker stuck to my monitor that said, fuck it, chip it. So that's it. <laughs> and the, the point is not to just be like ship garbage. It's no, just no, not at all. don't, don't get caught up in, well, I have to make this perfect and better. It just keep optimizing, optimizing, optimizing for when no one is looking like you just, you need to, to get that product out there and work in public because it is hard enough to get people to care at all, let alone you know, to have them even notice these, these tiny things that ultimately you discover really only mattered to you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent agree with that. Very good. Tommy, where could people go to learn more about you? Uh, find us at Recon Rings on Instagram at Recon Rings at Tango Charlie Apparel. Um, follow Casey at Tactic Calories and uh, our boy Pete over at Mixtape Coffee Company. And we've always got something fun going on. So you'll see some pretty good uh, transference between the different brands. And it's always a ton of fun. I've got all of those in the show notes. Tommy, thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flex. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles and turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, 
as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now, here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.